0: Welcome back to another episode of Bias Check-In. Hello, everyone. Hi, hola, willkommen. How's it going? Welcome back to
1: episode 11 of our podcast. Claudia, what are we checking in with today?
0: So, today we are checking in with Job Search. We talked about all the actionable things last episode, all the encouraging bits. This episode, we want to keep it a little bit more real and also talk about the downside of the job search it's not always a short process Mm -hmm. it's not always the most enthusiastic encouraging process to go through so we just wanna share some of our misadventures as well and some of our advice on how to stay focused stay positive and making the job search work for you not the other way around
1: we're gonna go through some of our stories of trying to look for work landing those interviews getting our foot in the door and then being asked like, oh, but you can work, right? (laughs) We all love that. But we also have a lot of feedback from what people have told us. And we just wanna share some of those tips and tricks with all
0: of you. So when you are a job applicant, whether you are an international student, an early career professional, it's very variable to wear so many different hats. You're the applicant, you have to showcase your talent, but also reassure people that you will fit nicely into their team and you're not a solo player and you have to encourage them be as user-friendly as possible in your resume in your interviews like really laying it out and sometimes you need to be moral support for the recruiting team which is not something that you might always think of it instinctively um, one story That I like to share is from about one year ago in my job search before I landed my current role. I had an interview on the phone with the campus recruiter for a big agency, and I was stoked because they don't usually recruit from our school in particular. And we go through the phone screen, I go through the interview with the hiring manager, and then I get the question what about your? Employment status authorization. I was like, "Are are you kidding me? Like that wasn't in the job posting. It was not mentioned in the application process online. It was not mentioned in the phone screening. It was not mentioned in my first interview with the hiring manager. So at this point, I have four stages of the selection process where I got my hopes up that someone finally can hire me. No, they just forgot to ask. And so I got turned down my application was terminated without an offer and I sent a pissed off email to the recruiter. It was like, I at the very least want your feedback about what I brought to the table and I want to give you a piece of my mind respectfully about how you need to mention it in the job posting and you need to mention it when you do the phone screening if the company requires a pre-existing US working authorization. Mm-hmm. So please don't waste your time and don't waste mine because I got my hopes up. I love your agency. I still want to work with you at some point but we need to be transparent here. And
1: it's not on us to always know where we can work or where we can't
0: yeah it's always on the applicant to do their background research now we're not arguing with that but we don't know the insides of your hr procedures we don't know we are not part of those conversations until it's too late too often Mm -hmm. so the recruiter actually called me back and i felt bad because again my email was polite but firm and definitely Mm -hmm. communicate that i was annoyed and i had clicked so well with this person like i mean i said hi to their child when the child started crying on the phone because we were both doing the interview from home amazing recruiter and they felt so bad they called me back crying and so i found myself like on the phone with this crying stranger (laughs) and i felt so bad for being the cause of them crying because they felt so bad about letting me down and they were really excited about me joining the company and that's why i say you have to be moral support sometimes i share that story um as an experience of like the most absurd things can happen and when that happened I was so discouraged because I was like, I don't care for you calling me back crying. Just someone hire me, please. Do you have any weird stories, horror stories? Like how do you approach that question and like that experience?
1: I remember I was going to work with a research lab and as things turned out, the HR manager that was going to hire me was not told that I was from another university (laughs) and so the process just stopped there instead of like working with me it was just like no we we will just not sponsor you like sorry bye my manager at this research lab was really nice and she she was like okay so we can we'll stop your employment right now and then we can pick it up in spring like we can pick it up whenever it's it works out and it was just so hard to like have those conversations with her like you want me to work with you i want to work with you
0: so where's the issue and so where is, is the issue and, exactly and so
1: it was the hr department be like no we're not hiring anyone that's not from the university
0: which i think is a fair argument to be made and again like we are not here to bash organizations that for any variety of reasons cannot or have chosen not to open themselves to non-U.S. nationals Mm -hmm. um, or individuals who might need one or the other form of sponsorship to be employed. There's a host of valid reasons to do that. The issue comes when the barrier is not transparent. That's all we can ask. Like for employers, recruiters, whoever of our listeners who works in HR, go look at your job posting board. Right now, go look at your Taleo or whatever other software you use and check. Do you add the requirement in your organization? Do you work in HR and can tell an applicant whether you would be open or not to sponsoring them? And on the other side, for international students or anyone who needs sponsorship wherever whatever your background may be do you check for that when you apply for a job Mm -hmm. um my (laughs) one trick that i used to use when i was job searching um but that has been fixed unfortunately in most job application processes is that for the internships um i would i would always click that i did not require future sponsorship Mm -hmm. because technically if it's a six-month contract during my course of studies, no. Mm-hmm. I am okay to work for you as long as I'm a student. Mm-hmm. Now it's going a little bit peskier. I've seen a lot of companies post the question as, will you now okay. or in the future yeah. at any point during your course of employment require sponsorship? <laughs> so it's going a little bit harder. Um, and I've definitely noted that most in more recent years, what with all the Um, immigration policies that have been hardened or made stricter Mm -hmm. but international students if you're just looking for an internship like Susie here to fulfill um, the requirements of your program or to get the side experience while you're on OPT, CPT, F1, J1 Mm -hmm. technically you don't need future sponsorship because you just want the internship and that is okay If you're saying it in good faith, of course, if you know that you want to grow in that company and you want the promotion, then you should be more transparent about it. Be as transparent as we are asking the recruiters and the job posters to be. I know I am going through that conversation actually right now (laughs) with my team. Mm -hmm. I'm currently an intern and there are two openings um, on my team. Which I may or may not qualify for. Stay, post, stay posted, we will find out together. Because job postings can be ambiguous, and mm-hmm. don't think as a job searcher that you're not in the position to ask more questions. Mm-hmm. So on LinkedIn, you can see the recruiter who posted the position, try to ask them questions. If you have connections with the organization, ask them questions. Mm-hmm. Um, if your position is through your university career portal, guess what? Ask them questions. Um, It's just a way to follow up. It shows that you're interested in the role and you're already thinking about how do I fit in this context? How does this context serve me? So it goes beyond just sending an application out in the void and then, you know, shying away from the elephants in the room. Um, I also wanted to uh, share a few resources on this I know so far like a lot of this is a little bit discouraging like okay what if the recruiter doesn't know how to deal with my profile my context and what if I can't apply for this job what if this what if that mm-hmm. um, but I found a book recently that has really helped reframe this. Um, I haven't completely finished it so give me time until after finals are over to consider whether recommending it or not but so far it's good um it's by dr meg j j a y it's called the defining decade um and it's about your 20s and how to navigate them especially for mother generations it's like are your 20s your new teenage are your 20s your new 30s people disagree and dr j tries to give a little bit of context Mm-hmm. And one thing that I found very encouraging from her is um, to try to make value out of any job you have. So, of course, this is the decade when you should be building your resume. This is also the decade where you might end up taking all the jobs here and there just to make ends meet mm-hmm. until you can break into your field. So she talks about building your capital as in like paying off your student loans, increasing your credit score, for the few lucky among us maybe buying a house and yeah, investing in yourself exactly or going to grad school whatever that may be mm-hmm. and then building um personal capital which is getting that strange job that thing that's not related to your major <laughs> that summer job that is a stretch and making the most out of that so in the context of international students, that could be that campus job that doesn't really have anything to do with your major, but it is the job that was available. So you want the pocket money, you're gonna take it. Mm -hmm. I ended up organizing concerts at one point. Um, Susie ended up coordinating cleaning crews at one point. Neither of them particularly I.O. related, but they made us who we are today just as much as our classes did.
1: Why does yours sound a little more fun than mine?
0: Okay. It's not because I make it sound fun. Uh, a lot of that involved getting uh, bubbly water and a very specific brand of chewing gum in humongous quantity to this one artist who then proceeded to not care. And we ended up having a lot of bubbly water to celebrate once they finally left our campus. <laughs> That's so funny.
1: We had Leah Delaria from Orange is a New Black. She was actually from Belleville. She like, So my university used to be a school and she went to that school.
0: I would have laughed so much. She is great. When I had to organize a concert, we had a list of potential artists who were in our budget for the contract. And all of the American students would like get excited and b- bribe their friends to vote for the artists that they would see, that they would want. And I just remember sitting there with my international student friend and flatmate just going through the list. Okay, what is like the one hit song for this person? Never heard it before. No clue. But still, these are the funny conversations to have because it's those little things that in the moment we didn't realize it was just a job like another. But then you get to a couple years later and you're talking about the concert and those freaking water bottles on a podcast. Or... Um, in the case of Dr. J, she was a counselor. Um, her background is in clinical psychology, and she was a counselor at a summer camp for at-risk youth. So taking kids out of the cities, out of their family situations that were not conductive to the growth, and having kids and uh, juvenile criminals just do the most in the woods and dealing with it, which is nothing to do with helping twenty-something. In- establish their careers, but it did open a lot of doors for her because that was her 20-something personal Dang. capital job.
1: Yeah. So
0: don't... And that's the bridge to lo- go into, yes, these things are going to happen. Hopefully, recruiters, don't cry on your shoulder. Um, hopefully, your school and the professors you work with can connect you with people who know how to navigate OPT, CPT, and the acronym soup that we live with. <laughs> But don't worry too much about it. As much as that seems counterintuitive, think about what you do bring to the table. You bring Mm -hmm. the weird concerts. You bring the summer camp counseling. You bring the crew control or the student government or this or that. Um, Try to work with what unique value you bring to the table instead of thinking of as, ooh, I'm the applicant that's hard to deal with.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think... That also helps us as IOs. IO is still very new. Whenever you're pitching it to someone, you have to ask first what they're interested in and then find your way into reasoning with like, oh, this is what I can bring to the table Mm -hmm. for this specific situation. So in my case now, interviewing or what could be my CPT, or Claudia interviewing for what could be her OPT, um, it is very important to me to make it clear that I know what the steps are for me to get CPT and make it as simple and concise as possible, and letting this person interviewing me know that I will take care of it. I will at most need a signature or a job offer letter. Like you do not have to worry about it. It will be taken care of. Or just being really like I understand where you could have issues with this. I understand um where you could have your reservations, but I know the ins and outs. This is mm. how we can work through it. Um this is for me it's I can do CPT until I graduate, and then we can move on to OPT, um, which is just...
0: Between the two, and we can cross the bridge when the time comes. Exactly,
1: but at least give me the opportunity to show you what I'm worth and <laughs> how much of an excellent employee I can be.
0: <laughs> Definitely, and one of the takeaway points, actually, from last episode... Um, that I really liked in this context. again, the same thing uh, that Susie likes to close her interviews with, is there anything that's giving you pause? Mm-hmm. Can I clarify anything? Is there anything that you would like me to expand on? Um, I feel as international students, especially that's a very good point to have of like, is there anything about me that you're worried about? Like you know you, you know I'm a great candidate. But if in the back of your head, you're already afraid of the paperwork or of hearing that or going through all my training and then USCIS says no and it's a big scary thing and you, can't, you have to train a new person all again, like <laughs> what fears can I spare you right now? Mm-hmm. By the way, USCIS doesn't just come at you and yell a big no. They usually just send a mail. So it's okay. It's not that scary. <laughs> exactly.
1: Um, it sounds scary. It does. Once you break it down, and CBT is literally getting a signature from your international programs office and a job offer letter from your employer.
0: Mm-hmm. The other thing I have found is if you see some resistance, but don't hear that much um, questions back is to offer. Would you like me to put you in contact with my international programs representative mm-hmm. because We would like to assume that everyone is being transparent and straightforward with how they're explaining things. We, unless you're coming here for a law degree, we're also not lawyers. It's always good to be like, I'm not just saying this because it's my interest to show you that I'm a good candidate and that I'm not extra work. You can literally ask this uninterested, super busy other professional Mm -hmm. who can confirm everything i just said from a very objective non-interested point of view Mm -hmm. and anyways yes like they can also guarantee like no worries the paperwork it's all on my end you'll be fine exactly
1: just simplify it be patient about it ask those clarifying questions at the end just to make sure you are presenting yourself as a good candidate. Like, hey, I've done my research. I know about your company. I know what I have to do. If you consider me a good fit, then this is how we can proceed. These are the next steps.
0: And going along the same lines, Susie, when would you say it's a good moment or when have you found it's a good moment to disclose the employment status in the selection process, in your experience?
1: When it's a personal connection, I make it clear right away that I'm an international student just so that we can get that out of the way. They can start doing the research. I can start telling them, like, these are the next steps because I've learned my lesson and I don't want to go through training and all of it if I'm not
0: going to get the position. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I've heard mixed feedback on this. Most international student programs Mm -hmm. uh, advise, you know, they can't tell you to outright omit your employment status, Mm-hmm. Um, but I've heard a few saying, like, you know, like you don't have to lead with that. Mm-hmm. Um, just when it pops up in conversation, it pops up. And then we have experiences like the ones we shared of offers being rescinded and recruiters mm-hmm. crying and whatnot. I used to really lead with that in undergrad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I came at it from the apologetic, oh, I'm sorry, I would need like paperwork point mm-hmm. of view. And I had to quit that real quick because if a recruiter or an employer sees that you're the first one to see yourself as a problem for the organization obviously not exactly the strongest selling point probably why I never ended up with a marketing major um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it makes sense I just wanted to be transparent about it but I was being a little bit too transparent about it it's still a delicate balance I would say don't go at it with like this is what determines who I am to your company mm mm-hmm. Because again, like, then why would I want you?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but also, yeah, like being transparent, like it's it's a 50-50 meet-me-halfway collaboration. It's a transactional relationship that you're trying mm-hmm. to establish with this employer. So your needs need to be met just as much as theirs. And I think it's scary to admit that when you're in the needy position of needing the internship, needing the job, needing the money, um, It's easy to want to compromise, but long-term, you want to go somewhere where you are appreciated and where you're not seen as an issue or an obstacle.
1: I completely agree with that. I also think I need to explain a little more. So whenever I have had those opportunities of, hey, would you like to interview with us? It's been because I've talked about my previous work experience, Mm-hmm. and how that could help me in this position or in this role or how I could bring myself into this company. And so it's it comes up in conversation whenever I say, well, I did this at so-and-so company in Mexico City and then at so-and-so company in Mexico City. And they're like, wait, what? You work all like, over the world? You- yep. <laughs> exactly. I
0: am that marvelous. Um- <laughs> but that makes sense. It's your... Spending your personal capital, as Dr. J would say, and it's an or your in the identity as an international student in the U.S. It's an organic part of your experience. It's Mm -hmm. not the big, giant neon sign looming over your head like a danger construction, like requirements ahead. Yeah, but it
1: does bring me to like this is, it's even more than I bring to the table. Like I bring so much more because (laughs) I, the snaps. Maybe you don't do it by the, <laughs> the snaps.
0: Like you can't see our faces right now. We are zooming, but all the snaps, it's not an obstacle. It's an added value exactly. because how many people can you find with my experience and my background? Exactly. So
1: leading with that, um, what other books or resources have you found to be helpful in this graduation looming <laughs>
0: Well, Well. you're going to make fun of me, Um, as we are recording, we are exactly a month out from my graduation, folks. More snaps for me now. (laughs) And as I mentioned before, I am in the process of getting my OPT card. Um, So I applied for it. I'm waiting to hear back about my after, after school employment status. Mm -hmm. And as I applied for a promotion at work, which would be covered by OPT only partially, Mm -hmm. um, I actually got a full book off of LinkedIn about um, work visa options for employers, foreign nationals, and graduating students. The title is Beyond the H1B by (laughs) Giselle Carson. And again, I haven't had a chance to fully go through it yet. Mm -hmm. But it goes to the point of look at those resources that are out there. Mm -hmm. Um, As I mentioned before, we are not lawyers. No one expects us to be lawyers. Mm -hmm. And not everyone has the budget to work with an immigration attorney. But the information is still out there. So the book, I think, was... I mean, knowing my budget, it cannot have been more than 20 bucks. (laughs) I don't remember the exact digits um, right now. And there's plenty of PDFs. There's plenty of professionals on LinkedIn advocating for international students and offering resources at whatever price and budget year you're at. So do your research on your end so that when those questions happen, you can at least say, well, I think I could qualify for this. Mm -hmm. Could we explore that option? Um, Another thing that I found very useful and I thought was somewhat of an open secret among international students, but not necessarily. If you go to the USCIS website, um, and this works just as well for employers who want to scoop out their competition's recruiting strategies, um, (laughs) you can see a whole database of any company in the United States. You can filter by fiscal year, by, uh zip code by company name and see how many applications for employment visas they filed, how many were accepted and how many were denied or temporarily denied at any given point since the USCIS went digital. Um, so again, do your research, look into your industry when you're looking at majors. Is this an industry that is open to foreign nationals working in it? Is this organization open? Mm -hmm. Not to say that you can't be the first to be sponsored by any given organization, but it's a good encouragement to talk to our crew and we say, well, actually, I know your company has already sponsored a lot of people in the past. Is that still the company policy?
1: Mm Has something
0: changed in the meantime?
1: Are you still offering that?
0: Yeah. And
1: to the IOC? We've had some guest speakers over the last week. One thing that has been sticking throughout all of their presentations is to not pigeonhole yourself into a position or an industry.
0: Snap, snap, snap for all the speakers.
1: <laughs> if you are seeing that a lot of sponsorships are being made in the tech industry, in the science industry, in whatever industry you can find yourself, make that work for you. Mm-hmm. Pitch yourself. Work on those elevator pitches and see how you can fit in. On that note, I do want to shout out uh the most recent guest speaker we had in one of our classes. His name is Fred Skinner. He is currently a chief human resources officer at a pharmaceutical and he gave us A bunch of tips on how to grow, how to be a good interviewee. So some strategies to help us during the selection process. Once you've got the job, how to be a good employee. So he has seven things he shared with us. One, having drive. So have the passion to do more. Always ask for more. If you can commit, always ask for more. Number two, willingness to learn and to help. People love help. So you're starting in a team. Do you need help with something? Ask your boss, what can I help out with? Have humility, listening, seeking to understand. Don't be the smart ass of, I am so smart. I am so good. I can do this job with my eyes closed. Show how smart you are with the deliverables. Number four, simplify everything. So create narrative. This is very much for the IOs here, our jargon isn't used everywhere. Not dumb it down, but how can you be simple and concise so that... As
0: user-friendly as possible.
1: Exactly. He's He said, make it so that people ask why you even had a meeting about this, because it's an easy yes.
0: Nice. That is a very good way um, to put it.
1: Number five come to the table with solutions and ideas so this is this even works at interviews saying like i've done my research i know what you do and this is what i would like to bring even for small meetings just always have like little tidbits because you'd never know when you're going to be get called out like hey claudia what do you think about this and you don't want to be there like uh, eh, uh, amazon uh, well, reddit uh, sorry <laughs>
0: Yeah, no one wants to see that deer in the headlights look of, well, I'm here, but I didn't do my homework. Number six, be
1: responsive. So in this age of technology is all around us. uh, We know you've got your email right next to you. I need to know that you got it and that you're working on it. So be responsive. I got it. When do you need this by? Because maybe to you it's urgent and you're going to be working on it until 4 a.m and the person didn't want it till next or other way around.
0: Yes, I actually had this exact thing happen to me at work this week. Q4, we are selecting a lot of roles to start beginning of Q1. And so we're doing a lot of job analysis, lots of selection processes design. And we I would say we get, as a team, 10-ish job analysis on any given week. Some are more urgent than others. And I was stressing out about getting this job analysis done and how I couldn't find the job description and I only had so much time left in the day to get it done. And I checked in with my supervisor and it's now due for the next two weeks. There we go. Well, okay. In that case, uh, let me just finish up my emails and I'm good to go. (laughs) Um, And his last bit was
1: seven, be patient. This was mostly about promotions, how everyone's like, I've been here for a year. I think I should get promoted. It's like, you should not be asking for that. Show up and people will notice you. If you deserve that promotion, people will recognize that. That's not to say to not be your first advocate. Very important because people don't know what you're looking for or thinking of or what your career plan is. But if you are working hard, this is a great opportunity to uh, make Claudia a specialist or... Just an
0: example. <laughs> just an example here. Make yourself seen for the right reasons mm-hmm. before you want to be seen. is the same thing I see with um, undergraduate students. You always know those who start applying for jobs just their senior spring or who all of a sudden sign up to all the networking events their senior year. And it's like, it's good. It's fine. And we're not shaming anyone better late than never. But if you want to be seen for your accolades, for your successes, it's something that you need to build up over time. Mm -hmm. Um, And people will recognize the consistency and will appreciate the consistency just as much as they're going to appreciate someone who can perform under pressure. But You don't want to always get stuff done in the 11th hour uh, and have to prove yourself under pressure.
1: Working hard is part of why we want to be here. You are stretching yourself because you want to be uncomfortable, because you want to keep learning. If you're not uncomfortable, then you're stagnant. You've plateaued. Why are you there? Move on. Be (laughs) kind build those strong relationships with the people even for IO we are very small you do not want to be burning bridges yes and help out
0: that is one wonderful thing and a curse of our field is that whether for good reasons or bad reasons you have a reputation and you will build it with everything you do or do not do (laughs) so try to build it based on positive things and not necessarily because of networking and because being nice to me today is gonna give you a job tomorrow it doesn't have to be interested but it should be again consistent and kind
1: exactly so with all of that i think we can wrap up today's episode if you stuck through us talking about our visas once again congratulations we appreciate you Uh, but we thought it was also very important to give you these skills and characteristics that um, people have shown to work for them in this job searching even during COVID which is not easy for anyone and believe me we are on the same boat as you
0: yes So whether it is time to make your job search a little bit more user-friendly for recruiters, whether it's time to reevaluate your job capital or your personal capital and what you bring to the table, whether you just needed some time to laugh at our misadventures along the road or to be reassured that, yes, it's fine. And eventually we will all have that career and we will get there. Everyone is winging it just the same um it's just a matter of perspective and unfortunately as cliche as it sounds it's a matter of staying positive in the face of whatever gets thrown at you i was not going to use that word i'm not that much of a cliche but it's a matter of keeping positive and keeping your mental health um through the job search by having a strategy and by keeping your priorities in mind as well as your value. Mm-hmm. So thank you for sticking through with us. Um, thank you for catching up with us on all the uh, acronyms we could throw at you. We will certainly keep you posted on those as well as our own job searches as the episodes go through. Yes. But for now, tell us your horror stories, tell us your happy ending stories, um, the positive surprises, your networking mm-hmm. trips. Um, As always, you can contact us on Anchor.fm, leave us a voice message, send us an email, um, tweet, Instagram DM, Facebook group message, whatever works best for you. You can find us under Bias Check-In Podcast on most platforms.
1: Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next
0: week. Bye, guys. Ciao.